and welcome to Black Women Voices, a podcast that centers the experiences of Black women in higher education. My name is Anne-Marie Edwards, and I am excited to be one of your co-hosts for the podcast. I'm a higher education professional. Um, I'm a PhD candidate. Um, I'm the pet parent to a wonderful mini mini schnauzer named Buffy. I'm an avid traveler and an and also a very active documentary watcher and yeah i really enjoy documentaries so i look forward to connecting with other black women on this journey in higher education let's connect and hear stories and hopefully uplift my hope is that this is a space um where some of those things that are already having all some of those conversations that we're actually able to bring those conversations out to the forefront. I look forward to, to connecting and, and talking to you all real soon. Hey, Queens. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today. We're so excited to have you present with us. My name is Jasmine Lewis, and I have currently served in higher education for three years now. So I am the professional baby of this group. I've served at both a four-year public predominantly white institution as well as a four-year public historically black university. No matter your experiences, past or current, or your level of professionalism, this is a village for you and this is a village for us. It is where we talk, where we laugh, where we express ourselves and have our say. And most importantly, this is where we grow personally and professionally. I'm elated to join this journey with you all and build this village of love, growth, and sisterhood. Stay tuned. All right. Hello, my beautiful Black sisters, my beautiful Black queens. My name is Dr. Kelly Dixon, better known as Dr. K, and I currently work at a four-year public HBCU. I've previously worked at a four-year private historically white institution. Um, I've worked in student affairs for about eight years now, and I'm excited about this space. This podcast is for us. Our stories, our experiences, and most importantly, our voices. As black women in higher education, it can be so easy for us to get caught up in the narrative that others have written about us. And today, I say no more. It is time for us to flip the script. I can't wait to have real and relatable conversations with you all as we navigate working in higher education and its impact on us both personally and professionally. I know that this will be an amazing journey. So get your favorite beverage, kick off those shoes, and let's talk. (laughs) Okay. Um, Hello, my name is Valerie Thompson. Um, I am at a public uh, historically white institution. Uh, Why um, is this space important to me? Um, I love the ability to be able to share um, kind of our experiences in a safe space, in a space of like-minded women, like like-minded uh, Black women, because what I found was that I struggled to find spaces um, and opportunity uh, to see that there were other women who were going through some of the same things as Black women who were also student affairs practitioners and really kind of birthed the, the research. I was uh, working full, full-time full for five years in student affairs, working till 11 o'clock at night, hadn't had lunch, and I found out that there were other women who were doing it too, but there was no literature, there were no podcasts, there was nothing that said, it's okay. It's okay to say I'm tired. It's okay to say that I need a break. And so for me, this space represents the ability to be whole represents the ability to be human and be ourselves and say you know what collectively we are each other's support system so for me this space operates as that that's why it's important that's why I want to continue to just operate in it and and to provide space for other women to signify through our stories as well and so Valerie talk about because you're kind of the reason why we're here we started it off with a webinar that you put together and then we came to the space. So can you talk a little bit about how that webinar came about and how we got to this podcast? 
Yeah, so uh, the, I am a directorate member on the Coalition for Women Identities, CWI. And in my interview, they said, well, what would you like to contribute? And because I'm so passionate about really providing, uh, just ex ex providing, but also doing research on Black women's experiences in student affairs, they said, well, what, would you like to do a webinar? And so it literally came from, manifested from something that I'm also really passionate about. And the fact that even in the five years that I've spent looking at it, there were not enough there wasn't enough content that talked about not only practitioner experiences, because there are some stuff that's actually talking about practitioner experiences, but what's happening with black women who are student affairs practitioners, because we understand that the ways that we take care of our community, our institutional village, if we think about the idea, the African proverb, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, even though we understand that our students aren't children, there is something that happens when our identity and our intersections as black women meet on these campuses that are historically white. Through the ways that we are targeted, we are triggered through the ways that we are institutionally called on, through the ways that our students call on. I noticed that for me, it was burning me out through every intersection. And so the idea of having the ability to create a webinar or a space where other black women could tell their stories um, gave me a really um, gave me the idea of really doing something cool and the beauty of it is that webinar ended up having about 60 people plus um, and it was recorded and it really birthed more conversation than you could tell that people wanted to continue to have that wanted to uh, wanted more of those conversations to happen which is why I'm so so um, excited that Dr. K placed it on a hot to be able to to continue this and to create this space in this webinar and I love that I am with a community of powerful amazing black women who are doing the thing um, and I really and what I'm really excited about is that I believe in five years no one is gonna say you know what we didn't know this was happening to black women we didn't know that student affairs professionals who are also black women marginalized marginalized identities that they are not treated in this way that they you can't say you don't know because the beauty of what we're doing is that it's not just this podcast i think you know being able to do conference presentations and and talks just to be able to infuse the um majoritarian narratives you know the fact that we don't really know what's happening you can't say you don't after five years i speak that and i believe that yes yes thank you for that i'm i'm so glad that you had it on your heart to to conduct such a webinar and i, I think about how i saw your post i think it was in black student affairs national mm -hmm. facebook group and i was like hmm i can contribute to this um because you were talking about burnout yeah that was the main theme in black women and being in that space and talking to the women and the 60 plus and even even connecting with some of them afterwards it was like this this is what i've been waiting for i really commend each and every one of us especially you for giving us the space to begin with to take that first step in creating a verbal space for us to share our experiences um and use our voices because this is our time our time mm -hmm. so this is the first episode. We're going to talk a little bit more. Um, and we hope that you stay tuned in. Well, hello, ladies. You know, hey. kind of hey. we, we have been coming collectively together. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, kind of really thinking about that we're not here to be anybody's like professor or whatever. This yeah. is literally just kind of having our say. Much like Twitter, views equal mine. These views equal ours. It doesn't mm -hmm. reflect any instances which we, which we operate within. But this is literally serving as a place and a signifier for us to speak our truth. Right. That's what it is. That's how we thrive. Um, and the beauty of it is, is we are, and to also push against this narrative that women can't get along, that mm -hmm. black women can't get along, that people, that we can't thrive together in a sister, you know, sisterly manner. Like we can, we do, and we will. So this space signifies all of that. 
Mm-hmm. What y'all think? That's what I think. I agree. Uh, I think that, you know, as you stated before, the first thing to let people know, we're not trying to be an expert in any of this. It's just really coming together to have conversations with our Black sisters, Black queens. And like you said, rewrite this narrative that has been written about us. And so this space, I said it before, this space will not be ignored any longer. You know, this is our time, our voices. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. What what you got, Jasmine? What what, what you I mean, what do I have? Um well, okay. Well, first and foremost, what I have been thinking the whole time when you were um uh, when you were talking is you know the cheetah girl song? Cause we are together. Don't laugh at me, but yeah, no, it really is um beautiful because we all, even though we're all in higher ed, we're all in student affairs in some way shape, form, or fashion, you know, we're all different. Um, but we can come together in this space and we can um, unite and there can be harmony, you know, um, and we all have experienced different things that build into this pot of magic, right? I'm so very excited. I'm so excited, so excited um, for what we're going to talk about. So excited for what's to come. Excited for those who are listening. Um and for those who are listening, please um, give us feedback. Give us feedback if you hear or you think of anything that you would like to hear us talk about or if there's anything that you would like to talk about, let us know. We want to know. We want to talk to you. We don't want to just talk amongst ourselves. Um, so, yes, I'm excited for sure. Yes. And so I'll just add that these conversations are already happening and we have been having having them Um, in silos at our universities or that one black person that you may see at a conference if you (laughs) you get professional development to go to conferences that Mm -hmm. conversations you know whether it be about burnout about the pressures the stress the overtaxing of black professionals in general and black women um, specifically it's happening and we already know that we're having them that platform this is just a platform to bring those voices out and to really have those discussions and to hopefully help those that may feel like is this just me <laughs> Am I the only one experiencing this it's yes. just, um it's it's a space in my mind and my thought it's it's a space for people to be able to say i am not the only one and here are some other people that can support me in this journey because sometimes in and in many professions um excuse me and depending on what campus you are you are at there it can be very isolating being a black professional and being black women to kind of search that that support and that community out and so we're just really putting on on a podcast what we are already talking about just one-on-one with each other and so I'm, right. I'm excited for the conversations. I'm excited for the voices that we get to bring to the forefront outside of our voices, but the others that are going to, the, the guests that are going to come on and share their experiences and their wisdom and, 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 and bring that to the table as well. Right. And, you know, I, I totally believe that nothing that we experienced, that was that was the word that I had today mm, in church. <laughs> but you know that nothing that you experience is in vain. Like nothing that you encounter, no situation, no whatever. I mean, thinking about it, because not everybody gets the opportunity to go to professional conferences. I certainly did it. I mean, I was working for five years and I had to beg to go to a professional conference. And did it change my life? Absolutely. But what is it, you know, with budget cuts and departmental rules, you know, some people can go to conferences and others can't. And so this is to really serve as a space that, you know, you don't have to check in at a conference. If you can, that's great. But if you can't, this can kind of be just kind of a launching board to have these conversations. And you're absolutely right. Within our spaces and our churches, um, or even just within our institutions, you know, hey, calling this sister girl, hey, you know what, do you want to go to lunch? You know, I may not have a 15, uh, like, but but 15 minutes, but I just need to step away. I need to clear my head. These people, yes. you know, they, they about to take me there. You know, they go, they going to see the person, but they don't want to see that person. Don't go, you know? sis. Don't go, sis. Don't let them take you. You know, and so sometimes you just need that 
I see you moment, you know, like, cause think about it. When we are places when, when we're out, when you see another one of us, you speak, you're like, I know you. And like, what is that? That's right. to kind of see that in spite of everything that may be happening, I got you. Right. Even if I don't know your name, even if I don't know what you experienced, that's also kind of how I feel that this signifies as well. So you, you so we tapped on professional development and you know, this is kind of like conference season for a lot of individuals in student affairs. So let's talk about just a little bit what that looks like when you actually go to a conference, um, whether you are the only one from your institution going or whatever the case may be. How do you how do you interact with other black women? Hmm. I think for me, I'm always I'm trying because I want to present myself friendly and I want to have friends. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to speak to everybody. I want to say hi. I want to go to not only the sessions that I'm interested in, but ones that maybe are not in my work area. You know, even if I work in one certain area, I may kind of be unfamiliar with another area of higher ed that I want to kind of see. But that, you know, I know some conferences specifically, and I'm thinking about ACPA, because I've been to that one. Um, there's all different types of ways to get involved. Sometimes it's hard to kind of figure out how could I get involved beforehand. But for me, uh, when I went to my first AC ACPA conference uh, two years ago, um, I was looking in the book. Well, I don't know that it was printed. I was looking at the, the app, you know, of seeing, okay, well, what, what, well, how do I do this? What, what are these meetings? Like, what, what are these closed meetings? What are these open meetings? And so I started attending the socials. And I know the ACPA has the socials. I know, I believe NASPA also has socials. Um, but that's kind of how you get a chance to meet people, um, especially if you're kind of introvert, extrovert kind of thing. Um, and that's at least how I did it. That's how I got involved. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm the most involved person, but it has to start somewhere. But I think it it does also kind of think about like, what is it that you want to get out of that experience? Because, you know, you can connect to be connecting or you can connect towards mentorship or, um, you know, allyship or whatever that is, because there's actually different type of mentors that you need professionally right and so some some groups are really good for that so that's that's what I did what y'all do well I know for me my first introduction into uh conferences I was a grad student and it was ACPA in Baltimore actually and for me my connection is um gravitating towards people that um, as you said in the book, have presented or presenting, and they're identified as uh, Black women. And so always trying to support them in their sessions, and then afterwards having a conversation with them, um, just to kind of see, you know, where their headspace is and how we can be a support system for, to one another. And I mean, just this month alone, I've been to, I went to ACPA in Boston, and then I just came back from AABHE, the... Mm. Uh, Associate, what is the American Association for Blacks in Higher Education, which is my first time at that conference in Indy. And so the opportunity to connect with different um, Black women in different spaces has been phenomenal for me. One, because I never thought in a million years that I would be working in higher ed, let alone student affairs. Like, I didn't even know it was a, a position. I didn't know it was a career path. And so I kind of stumbled, stumbled upon it. And as when I did, you know, I didn't have any mentorship or any of those types of um, guidance in terms of how to navigate the space. And so being able to, one, allow myself to go into these spaces and conferences and being vocal about, you know, this is who I am, um, how can I support you, et cetera, and then moving right along from there. And the follow-up is the big piece for me that I've mm. met some people at conferences and they say, you know, I follow up, I send you an email and I get nothing. So I took it upon myself. When someone gives me a business card at a conference, when I get back to the office, I immediately send them a follow-up email just to say, you know, thank you for exchanging your business card with me. Maybe think about something or put in the email, something that we had talked about just to kind of uh, make that connection again and then see where it leads. And me doing that has opened up a lot of doors for me mentoring others 
and um, some, other, some other collaborations, whether it be presenting, writing articles, whatever the case may be. Ooh, that's really good. It is good. Yeah, that's really good. That's good. Took me a while to get there. <laughs> Took me a while. See, I, so my first, I would say, um, professional conference I've attended this year, actually. Um, I went to NASPA. And so NASPA was in LA. It was beautiful. <laughs> but um, it was tiring i never realized how tiring conferencing yeah conferencing is a verb mm-hmm. right <laughs> it's a verb it is an action um sorry that's my daughter <laughs> Listen, but, um, that's, that's it although although it was it was tiring um i think as a new professional i of course wanted to be in the know and be around um, you know, my, my beautiful black queens, whenever I pass somebody in the hall, it's, hey, how you doing? Yeah. I just felt like I just was seeing all my cousins, you know, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and so that was, that was a great feeling. Um, and so while I didn't, Dr. K, like you mentioned, you know, exchange a lot of business cards or do the follow-ups like I should have, I really wish I would have thought about that. Um, just really being in that space um, and being in that atmosphere and seeing black women who were in, who are in um, high higher positions, or you know, just kind of if I go to a session, you know, they're talking about how they started from the bottom or they got it out of the mud and now they're you know vice president, pro, you know, whatever their um, respective titles are. That was dope. That was dope because as a, again, a new professional, I'm inspiring, you know, I don't know exactly where it is I want to be. And, uh, you know, people ask me all the time and I'm like, I don't know. I like everything, you know, (laughs) Um, but seeing that, you know, there's no surefire way how you get to each position. Right. And so by just kind of talking to people and going to the different sessions, I was able to see that, you know, there is no, I don't have to plan. I don't have to be, you know, in this position for this amount of time and then I have to automatically move to this position. You know, everything looks different. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, my first professional development <clears throat> was also NASPA, but they were in New Orleans that year. And it was a really, really, it was really, really good. Um, and I'll say this at that particular time, you know, there was really no money for professional development is what I was was told. And so I decided that I needed to invest in myself. Like I was going to NASPA. Like I heard that there was no money, but I wanted to go anyway because part of my my feeling was I didn't come into student affairs in a traditional trajectory, a traditional pathway. And um, I wanted to learn as much as I, I could. And so actually, no, I went to a NASPA regional conference first. And I wanted to do that just to kind of get a feel for what the organization was and it was cheaper and just kind of see how I could fit in and, you know, what I could learn. And I really enjoyed it and then decided after that to go to the national conference, both pay pay for both out of pocket. And so some of that is, you know, making the commitment as much as you can to make an investment in your own professional development, even if that institution even if at the time the institution couldn't, but what ended up happening was that went back and my then director was like, no, we're going to pay for you to go to one of those, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they found the money because I was also participating in NASPA. And so I think that that's a huge difference. I wasn't just going to see what I could get. I mean, that was part of it um, to see the information that I can get, but I was actually doing something. And so I participated in the NASPA center for women and they had like an on-site mentoring, um, uh, program that happened during national, the, the NASPA national conference that year. And from then, you know, I started to learn what it was to do professional development, you know, and that there may be a functional area. So for my functional area, which was career, career services at the time, 
I would go to NCDA, which is the National Career Development. But then for the student affairs, I would go to NASPA. So there was a larger umbrella and then a more specific conference for what I really wanted to learn. And so I kind of learned how to navigate and then allocate money for what I needed to go to um, based on really what I was interested. And I learned a lot about student affairs just going going to those conferences. And I met a lot of people. So shout out to you, Dr. K, for that, that tidbit. <laughs> now, listen, I will email you once I meet you at a conference, but I'm not going to give you that. It may be I try to do like within a week, but I'm not opposed to it being like two weeks later. Right. Because at the end of the day, when you find that card, I would reach out and just make that connection clear just because you never know. You, you're going to see these people at different conferences. Yeah. You know, things I have run into people, you know, as I journey through different um aspects of life and stuff i've i've run into different people and you never know who is going to help you get to that next level or even offer advice or just give you that quick tidbit of you know you can do it mm-hmm. whatever the case may be you know so i think it's just kind of wise to keep options open yeah. and i'm always trying to step it up because next i want to go to Encore. <laughs> I, and I, listen y'all that conference I, I, that was the blessing. That's that's the one I had to beg to go to. Let me let you know, but that conference changed my life. It changed mm-hmm. the way that I advocate. So what happened is I went to the session called How to Not Get Buck Wild in Interracial Spaces. Oh, Honey. oh. Honey. that sounds like a great session. Well, yes. I thought that, okay, yes, right? Now, I thought it was going to be that. But when we get in there, it's a room full of black women. It was so beautiful. And the presenter stood up in front of us and she was like, put your hand on your heart, put your hand on your head where your heart and your mind come together. That's where your spirit rises. Literally starting the session. It was was just about your wellness. I had never had anybody that was like, you know what? I'm sure you can do all these great things. I'm sure you can program to the cows come home, but how are you internally? How are you emotionally? How are you spiritually? How are you physically? That was the session that did it. And it was just a room full of us talking about what it is that we do, whether that is the stress of it, the love of it, how it was burning us out, how our students loved us, but that love was also a little toxic in the ways that they were using or coming for us sometimes. Right. And that's where I really found, you know what, this is great. But how much would I have needed that when I was in my first year, Mm. when I thought it was okay for me to work, you know, 48 hours nonstop, when I thought it was okay, because the people who I am, who I'm uh, being supervised by, they just telling me to do it. They're not doing it, but I'm an entry level professional. I can't, I, I don't, I don't say no. And so how important was it to be in a room that said, no, your wellness matters. Just like your program is great, and I'm sure it matters to the institution, to your students and everybody who got a title. But at the end of the day, if you're not well, you can't program. Exactly. And how many of us are operating injured? How many of us do that just because as we as black women, we do it. But what if we actually push the pause button? Mm. to say no that's what i think conferences do but i think oftentimes whether we think about budget cuts of a lot of our institutions sometimes you get in and your job says listen all we can offer you is fifteen hundred dollars well honey sometimes those registration fees are five hundred dollars <laughs> right hello in court so, <laughs> so what do you do then yeah and, you know? and you brought up a point where we go to these conferences and we go to those types of sessions which rejuvenate us get us excited and, and i know for me personally and then i go back to work within the next day or two i'm just like oh okay back to reality what do yes. i do it never fails it never fails. it's not like i intentionally have that thought when I get back. I come back and I'm ready. I'm excited. I've been away. I've had this session, met this person. And now how do I put that all together and work mm-hmm. from my spirit, work from my wellness? Um, it becomes difficult. It becomes very difficult. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, Jasmine, you mentioned conferencing that it is 
<laughs> a verb. And which is very interesting because just when I got back from Indy, I told myself, man, I should submit a session. Probably somebody has already submitted one, how to conference, because it is very overwhelming. I needed that. Where where were you? I needed it. It is very overwhelming. And and I have to tell people that I conference differently. We all conference mm-hmm. differently. I'm not going to be the one that goes to every goes to a session for every block. I know me personally. I can't. I just can't do it. And mm-hmm. so I always look at the schedule, of course, beforehand. And by the time this, uh, the conference actually started, I've looked at the schedule maybe two or three times. And I probably started off with 15 sessions I'm going to. Then it comes to 10, then five. And then let's be honest, some of them just be two. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it gets overwhelming, especially yeah. when we talked about when you meet people again, you know, that you've met before and you all just want to have a social gathering. I mean, you have that. You have, for some of us, we're still working. We still have to respond to emails. Um, then you have sessions. And then if you are part um, of different commissions and auxiliary groups within the, um, the organization, you have those meetings. And then if you're presenting, you have that. So it's a lot that goes on in terms of conferencing. So just want to, you know, talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. And, and so I think that I... So I, I'm, I wasn't involved in any um, auxiliary groups or, you know, a lot of it was just me kind of meeting people, um, not really meeting up with much people. Um, but I think that the tiring aspect of it for me was having the need or feeling the need to be on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Like you said, you never know who you're going to run into. You might see them again. And I've learned um, that higher ed student affairs is small. Yes, very. It's, it's very small. I'm halfway across the world in L.A. or the U.S. in L.A. And I'm meeting people who know people that I see every day. You know, it's right. very small. And so you never know what to run into. Um, and introducing yourself and talking to other people, they see my institution. They're like, oh, yeah, I know. You're president. And I'm like, ooh, let me get my get my together. Right. <laughs> is, my, is my suit buttoned? Is, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and it was just the need of being on all the time because you know don't know who's watching you you don't know who you're going to have a conversation with you don't know um, how that's going to come full circle right mm-hmm. but yes it's great a lot but I need I gotta I gotta take your class next time <laughs> I'm a conference before our conference yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially as a, a new professional, I know when, like I said, when I went to my first one, I was trying to go to everything. Um, I was trying to be on at all times. I didn't know who knew who and what to expect. And mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know who it was, but someone told me, like, you know, you don't have to go to everything. Because those three or four days will stress you out. <laughs> right. They will stress you out. They will stress but, you out. But I think it's really smart, though. To- to look at the book in advance, right? Because I feel like when I, because Encore was my f- first professional conference because I didn't get a chance to go to anything when I was a GA anywhere else. Um, and that conference was a lot. And I think the cool thing about at least Encore is that they have these rooms that, you know, th- the processing rooms and spaces that, you know, if you go to a heavy session and, you know, I remember uh, there was a lot of sessions that I had attended myself and go to a room and kind of get my mind right which there's something to be said about that um but I think it's a good tip that you said to kind of look at the book in advance go over the book go over the sessions see what it is that you want um and really think about not only your next because I think sometimes when we go to conferences um at least I did initially, is that I was only kind of looking at, okay, well, what can help me specifically in my job? But you're not going to be in your job forever. You, you, the idea is to make it a career move, right? And so right. thinking about the sessions that you go to, how can they move you to your next? Whether that is, you know, um, sessions that talk about a different methodology, that which there was a conference session. I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that methodology. I want to sit and just listen to hear that so that I can replicate that. 
yeah. or, you know, hey, I may want to be a, you know, a vice president, but I don't really know how to get into that. Thinking about not only your right now, but thinking about your next is also something that's really important um, in terms of conferencing as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even when you're looking at the book, uh, look beyond the title because the titles can be very appealing. And you're like, oh, I'm going to that. And you get there and it's like, this is not what I expected for us to talk about. <laughs> so that's one thing that I've started to do is when I look at the title, look to see what the session, the abstract, what it's going to be about to make that's sure right. that um, this is what I need. Because mm-hmm. one, my attention span is very short. And two, so especially if you've been to um, three or four sessions already in a day, because you're looking at what sessions start for the most time at 8 a.m. and they go to 5 p.m. That's a work day. That's exhausting. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. definitely want to yeah. be um, cautious of the sessions that you pick and choose. And then if there's, especially if there's two or three that are going on at the same time, how do you navigate that space? And how do I reach out to this person because I can't attend that uh, their session. And so that's a different um, aspect that you have to look at too when you're conferencing, at least for me it was. Mm-hmm. Well, and some of and those I, sessions- And I just want to add to that. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Ms. Ms. I, I was Valley. gonna say real, I was going girl, I was seeing, you said doctor. Hey, I was receiving, I was receiving. <laughs> so I had to go in, I had to go in y'all, I had to go in, I'm receiving. I'm receiving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But some of those sessions, like you said, you can email them if you're not going to be able to attend their session and just ask for their PowerPoint. Um, I know I did that. Um, and that was really helpful because, I'm again, there was things that I was like, I, I, don't, I can't be at everything. I can't clone myself. So and, you know, and especially if you're the only one from your institution. And then even if you're not, everybody's not going to be interested in what you're interested in. Preach. So that's a really good point. I just want to add and also don't feel like you need to stay in a session. If you have <laughs> gone to a session, it is not what you thought it was going to be. Yes. Feel free to stand yes. up yes. and walk out. Excuse you know, I, I have learned the power of not today. I won't be sitting <laughs> in this today. Especially <laughs> go to conferences that have a lot of sessions and let's mm-hmm. just say you've checked off three or four sessions and that title may have been misleading or the title is not what you expected it to be, feel free to get up and go to a different session. You are not, because you walk in the room, don't mean you have to stay there. You know, you're not bound to that. And I also say, I use conferences. I think that, I think that it's a wasted opportunity to just also feel like you need to go to every single solitary hour that there's a session. Because I'll say this, this conference that I just came from at the beginning of March, one of the things is that I met somebody and I was like, well, let's go out to eat. And to me, that connection was just as important, if not more, to have those conversations, to hear what's going on at your institution and things like that. Those conversations were just as important to me as let me go to a session on things and mm-hmm. so i think that there, that to me conferencing is about finding balance yeah. you know it's not trying to break yourself by trying to go to every session that you have checked Come off on. really about take because you can't to be real you can't retain all of that information anyway Mm-mm. you're not and so to me it's best to like mix it up go out to dinner with someone maybe have lunch with someone you know so that you and then Close your eyes and have rest. Y'all know I believe in naps. Okay? <laughs> yes. I believe in having some rest. You know, because it is true. I, I mean, there are times when I've been in, in travel, still working, still checking emails, still trying to yes. work out problems and stuff. But as soon, but I do have this thing where when I get to the conference, that's it. That's all. My out of messages on. And I mean that come thing. Yes. I mean it. When I say that mm-hmm. I will respond when I come back, then don't look for me to respond until I come back. And don't text me and ask me, did you get my message? Because I'm like, no, because I already said that out of message says that when yes. you come back, I'll return your message. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you need that. The, the purpose of it is for you to get some rejuvenation, too. Right. You yeah. need to be refueled. And you can't always get that just by going to work. Yeah. Which is what I guess some people think when they don't give people professional development funds that they just <laughs> gonna come to work and be refreshed tomorrow. But let's but let's talk That's about true. that though. 
but let's talk about that but like what do you do then so okay so then so what do you do if you are coming into a position you're a new professional and you they tell you there's zero money for conference funds and you know that Maybe the must, maybe how much you make it monthly. Cause let's be real. We getting paid monthly. Some of us out here in these streets. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to, to stow away $500 to stow away $300. Like, so what would be the advice then if you What's know that you can't afford to go to these far off conferences? What so I, I, think, oh, right. oh, I say look for scholarships, right? Because mm-hmm. the la- I went to a conference in December and I got a scholarship for the registration mm-hmm. and, and I was able to get institution support for the rest of it. But look for, they're often like professional development scholarships, both outside and inside. Look to, if you're, if you're a university, into, and when I say university, there are different departments. So if student affairs can, maybe somebody else can. Maybe somebody else at the university has that development fund mm-hmm. to help you defray those costs. But I think then the second thing is, is to do some saving and really do some targeted saving around and maybe you can't go to a national conference. Maybe it's that you're going to go to a regional there it a is. one day right. drive, in, a one day drive in something just that can get you out of your element. And if all else, mm-hmm. fails, nobody suggested this. And I was like, Hmm, she said, you should get all of the people. Like if you know, there are other directors in your specific or other people, professionals in your area, just do a meetup. Yeah. Do a meetup. Mm. It's maybe not that necessarily that professional development of a conference style, but maybe y'all just getting together and having lunch or having dinner and discussing professional topics, and then having that university say, "Okay, um, if if I don't have money for professional development, will you support me?" But by not having me use my vacation or my sick time for me to gather with other professionals, so we can oh, share. That's a good so tip. I'm, I'm asking for time. Like, if you can't give me your treasure, then can I get the time off without yes. having to make it, you That's know, taken out of my vacation time that I'm earning or my sick time so that I can go to a conference where yeah. they do that at? Mm. They do. I know That's they the do. That's so, That is so. And I know they do it, and I know that it's not equitable because I know everybody is not having to take their vacation time. Right. I, you know, I can't speak for for exactly all, but I I know that there's some professionals that's finagled it where they like, listen, I'm gonna take this time off. But that's part of my thing when I negotiate offers too. You want me there to come? It is. You want me to be at your university? Here are the things that I need you to support me as a professional, especially mm-hmm. as a new professional, where you're afraid right. to ask these questions. That's really good. I know I was kind of afraid, but at the end of the day, I was like, but why am I paying all this money to bring these best practices and making your institution better? Mm-hmm. Okay, because mm-hmm. if anything happens to me, you're going to post my job next week. Come so on. Let me, let yes. Huh. <laughs> they will step right over us. They will. You pass out, they will. Go right on over. Come on, somebody. It's critical, but it's so it's much it's a lot, it's really critical at that grad student level. And I think that if some students were able to get that, you know, I I have people, I think people lean on diversity centers, whoever had you think the graduate school at your university, who has professional funds. So because if you start off as a grad student, then you kind of get into that network of people. And you get to see the scholarships and stuff and, and the funds, the funding that could potentially come. And it may be that you take on a leadership role and that leadership role may come with a free registration or something like that. We hope. That's a good point. So Jasmine, as a new professional, what are some things kind of like I wish I knew coming into um, the profession or what are some advices or strategies that you know you're you're still seeking or that you can give um someone else that's coming up behind you um so i think some i don't know i forgot somebody touched on it earlier a little bit but really trying to find that balance of um you know i'm a new professional so of course you know i want to do everything right um i can't make any mistakes 
Um, I'm going to take on this task, this task, and this task. I'm going to sit on this committee, this committee, and this committee because I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want you to know that even though I'm a new professional, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still good. I can do just as much as everybody else. And that is not true. <laughs> you get tired. Yeah. You get tired. Um, whether it's, it's physically, whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally. Um, and myself, I personally, I work with high school students. I work with the college students as well, but mainly I work with high school students. And so, um, really, you know, feeling as though I have to be at their, you know, because I didn't feel like I had somebody for me or like me when I was in high school trying to be everything for all of my students. Right. You know, um, and that can go for both high school and college students. But, you know, I really wish that I had the opportunity to sit down with someone and talk about what that self-care, what that work-life balance looked like. Um, that you you can still be a productive um, and an important professional, new professional, without having to do everything and be at everybody's um you know, waking moment. Right. That's that, true. I think that was like the biggest thing that I as a new professional wish I could have kind of talked about before I, you know, <laughs> got into it. <laughs> and I would right. never, you know, and I don't regret anything. A lot of great experiences, you know, of course, by doing your job, but also kind of serving in different areas, which I would definitely recommend. Um, but for my new professionals and my grad students, don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I would definitely say whatever it is that you're interested in, um, explore that realm. Definitely explore that realm. Um, but also whatever it is that you're doing at that time, be the best in whatever it is that you're doing before you continue to take on other things. Gosh, I think yeah. That's, yeah. that's a really good point. I mean, because I think like you're saying, I think oftentimes you just take it on because no one sometimes oftentimes people aren't telling you not to because it right. serves them for you to take exactly. the 10 extra jobs, the 10 extra things. You're like, Oh sure. Go ahead and take it. But again, right. I think you have to be your biggest cheerleader. You have to be your biggest support to say, you know what? Could I do this? Yes. Should I? Probably not. You know, who, who am I neglecting by taking on this extra position? Like right. who beyond, you know, it being aesthetically pleasing, but who am I neglecting? Maybe it's myself. When's the last time I got to sleep before, you know, before midnight? When's the last time I had dinner at a time that's not like 10 o'clock at night because I'm right. seeing about everybody else, you yeah. know? And so I think, I think that's a really excellent point. <laughs> I do. It's kind of like, when do you see about yourself? You know? Uh, right. You can't, continue to operate in somebody else's space if you don't know how to live in your own you know so i think that self-care is really big um and then so moving gears a little bit so i am talking with some women that are going to be doctors they're going to be doctors. So can you talk about you know this whole idea of being a black woman and burnout and then this this level of education that you're pursuing and how that fits into the fold for you. <laughs> I just wish that, that the whole audience could see me just shaking my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see it. Oh, help yeah. Lord. I never found anything so hard as navigating the uh, the doctorate process. You better, you better. <laughs> and I consider myself, I see myself like very, you know, as pretty resilient. You know, have great bounce back. You mm -hmm. know, but this um, academic hazing, as I will call it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is like talk about it. Feeling ever had and. I, yes, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it, but to say there are so many times when I'm just like, 
why am I doing this? This yeah. is an exercise in self-hate. That's what it feels yeah. like. Wow, yeah. Greater purpose. I know there's a greater purpose and I know that there's a greater plan, but I clearly can see why only what is it one percent of the world right have so doctorate degrees mm. it's so small but in the middle of it you feel like everybody's getting their degree mm-hmm. but i have seen people stop out and not you know just not finish get to like the and, and i mean have gotten far i think that uh, the hardest part is once you get past the classes we've, yeah. we've been grown to take classes our whole life from a very right. young age but it is once you get past those classes and you become a candidate and you have to work independently on a dissertation while working full time. Mm. See, I'm still in my, my class stage. So not to say that it's any easier, but um, <laughs> praying for y'all. I'm praying for y'all. Hold on. Hold on to that class phase. Hold on. Hold on to it. The God's on changing hand. Yeah. You know uh, you know what to, to your point it if somebody would have told me it was going to be all of this I don't know if I would have done it in the way mm-hmm. that I've done it you know like yeah. I came in super green I came in oh my gosh it's gonna be free and <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna love it I'm gonna love the knowledge it's gonna be amazing and it has been the hardest experience I think I've ever done. Yeah. I mean, and nobody tells you that life is going to continue to happen. Right. Even, and that seems stupid, right? But if you <laughs> are not in a doctoral program, an ED program, you won't get it. But nobody tells you that life will happen. You will lose family members. You will lose mm-hmm. parents. You will, uh, you will get sick. Right. You will doubt yourself. You will think that yeah. your writing is trash. You mm. will you will not you will not always yes. be supported in the ways that you think that you should be. Nobody tells you this. Right. You go into yeah. it thinking that it's gonna be positive, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe, you know, I've been told I'm really moving to sprinkles. People who know me, they're like, listen, it's like rainbows where Valerie lives. Because I am a positive person, right? <laughs> this experience has just drowned it out, right? And I tell you, if I wasn't a person of faith, mm. I would have literally lost my mind. Yeah. Um, my dad died within two years of my program. I gave myself maybe a week, maybe two weeks to grieve and went right back to class. Mm. My mom mm-hmm. had three strokes and a seizure and I'm still writing my dissertation. For me, I, I just finished in October. And so I started a program. I started my program as a promise to my grandmother who had passed a year before I, I began. And it, me becoming a doctor was never about me. It was about fulfilling my promise to her. And so throughout this, these four years, I've probably witnessed every emotion that you can go through um physical mental everything but i did it in a bubble i did it alone not because i didn't have the quote unquote support but no one was really understanding what i was going through and i don't recall many people reaching out and saying hey i've been there let me help guide you and so i know when i finished i wanted to be that person to someone to say how can i help you cuz i know what it's like to be going through this uh, and as you said, academic hazing, to be working a full-time job, um, whatever else is going on in your personal life that you have to deal with at the time. And for me, I was transitioning jobs in the midst of my program. And so that was another layer to add to it. Uh, but I do want to say that for each of you, as I've told all of you, you know, we're going to get you to the finish line. Whatever I got to do to assist you, you know I'm here for you. You know it. I don't know. <laughs> you don't I know. Do, I really do. I, I do know. I do appreciate that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that people, I think the idea of getting higher education 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, number one, how many master's degrees do you need to get to e- to equal a doctorate degree? I don't know if that's a thing, but <laughs> if it could be, I'll just, for your consideration, submit that to the people. But I, I, I think that the idea of earning a doctorate, because you're really earning it. Nobody's giving you it. It's right. not a given. It is an earned process. But I think that it is mm-hmm. so, it's such a it's outside of the realm of, you know, at least what I thought I was going to do when I went to college. I I just knew I was going to do this undergrad, go get a job, you know, and work and then retire. Like that, that sounds like an easy formula. But I think that when you decide that you're going to go and earn, go and, and pursue a doctorate degree, man, I tell people that is nothing to take lightly because more people start a program than finish it. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, and that's across all races. That's across, that's just across the board, across everything. More people start doctorate degrees and they just don't finish them because, and part of me feels like it's because you don't know what you're about to get into when you're getting into it. You mm-hmm. know, you just know that it's something that you may need it for your job. You may need it for your field or you just may have that interest, but it's not until you get into the thick of it. And you get to ride these waves and these emotions. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I feel you, Dr. K, because my, my grandmother, she, she is still alive, but she is a huge part, you know, of, of why I push to right. finish the degree. And here's the thing. She, she don't even have a high school education. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the idea of somebody in, 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 in a black family having a doctorate degree, yes. it's, it's so far yeah. outside yeah. of you know, we, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams and imaginations and what, what they thought that we could be. And so I think that some of those pressures also come with that mm-hmm. feeling like, okay, I need to finish, right? But then I have to bring it down to myself and say, okay, but I am doing this for me. Like, it has to be for me in order for me to complete it because, um, no one would subject themselves to this amount of pressure for, right. for <laughs> I mean, it is an insane amount of pressure. And a lot of it, to be honest, I put on myself because I know I want to finish. And in order to do that, there are some things. And here's the thing, I don't want to do it. There are some days when I get up and I say, I simply, I don't want to write. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do I don't want to read anything. Yes. Don't ask me. I want to consume foolishness. Yep. I've had those then, days at least once a week. I've had those yeah. days. Like, I but quit. I I'm done. It, it, once a week is really good with, to my five days. You know, I had a really good, you know, girlfriend of mine that was just like, you know, you need at least four good times to say, okay, I'm done. Mm. For for real good times, it is just like I've I've had it, and you know it's so funny because you know you read about people who are ABD, you make judgments about people who are in ABD, but you don't get it till you are ABD, and you like yes. oh, yes. that's what it is. <laughs> that is yes. what it is, and I think for me it wasn't so much the writing because I've I've written, but it was just the other stuff. It was the life. It was, you know, time frames because not all programs are funded. Some of them are. And then you have a time limit because of that. But I also think that's why it's important to surround yourself with people. If you're not getting support where you are, it's important to find communities who you can be transparent with because you can't be transparent everywhere. I mean, there's all different types of groups on Facebook that are geared towards you know, women, uh, women of color or black women who are in doc programs or, but I am a little more cautious with that because you don't know who's in that program. You don't know who's attached to who you don't know who's affiliated with who. So I'm not going to be transparent there. There may be closed spaces where I can have those real conversations with, right. Mm -hmm. But it's important to identify early. Yeah. Early, even before you're here, because when you're here, I don't have time to be, you know, doing extra stuff. But I think that's why it's important Mm -hmm. that first year, if there is no cohort, because a lot of our programs don't have cohorts. And all the time, sometimes cohorts 
are great and also sometimes they're not. But finding your community early yeah. and being and continuing yeah. to be invested in that community because there will be times when I'm feeling weak, but you're in a strong moment. So I'm going to need you to pull me up. I'm going to need yes. you to pour life into me because right now, I, you know, just got feedback or right now I'm not doing great right now. I don't really know why I'm in this. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know, you know, and again, life has happened. Yeah. And understanding the roles people play. And I think the biggest part for me was having to say no to a lot of people and a lot of events during the process because I was trying to be everything for everybody. Yeah. While writing um, this, this dissertation. And I couldn't. I had got to the point where I have to say no. And if they get upset, then they have to get upset. And I think I found out a lot of um, who was really for me, for me as a person versus for me just getting that doctorate degree so they can boost about it. I know someone for a doctorate degree, da, 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 da. Oh. So uh, that was really big for me. Um, and, you know, there were many times I didn't think I was going to make it. Uh, but I'm thankful for the few that have been in my support system. My mentees have really pushed me. Um, and for me when I finished you know everyone wanted to celebrate me and it was and that was okay but I didn't want to celebrate because I knew I was doing this for um, a part of it was for my grandmother and the one person I wanted to share this news with I couldn't share it with but everybody wanted to celebrate me and so I didn't do a lot of celebration for that matter but um, I'm here now and I'm finally able to say, I'm Dr. Dixon, you know, I'm Dr. K, and be okay, (laughs) and be okay with it, so, you know, I applaud. This whole subject, man, this is a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, we're going to have to do one just just based on that, you know, how I got over, how I got over. (laughs) Yeah, so we have talked about self-care, conferencing, professional development, a little bit about doctoral programs, our experiences. And, you know, this being our first episode, we just kind of wanted to give our audience a little bit of our personality. And, you know, you know, like Valerie said before, we're not experts. This is just a space to come together, talk about our experiences, give our stories, and, you know, just support one another. So any last hoorahs or comments, any women that you want to celebrate before we close this thing? I, I want to celebrate us because this is a big undertaking. Yes. I celebrate Dr. K because <laughs> was <K>. the bomb.com <laughs> forward slash dot edu uh, yeah. backslash yes. forward uh Two-step yes. side hustle. Oh, yeah. The bomb. Like, for real. Bomb.com. Bomb. I feed off the energy. I, I feed off the energy. Put, well, put me where I need to be, coach. <laughs> put me where <laughs> I need to be. I, yes. I, and I just think, and, and the cool thing about it is, again, we all really do get along. And I just, I feed off of you all's energy, too. But, like, I think I'm just thankful for this space and I'm thankful for all of you guys and you know and I was thinking um songs or things that are kind of ruminating things that I'm thinking about um I tell you that Mary Mary song because I was thinking about songs it's not this is not this is relation this is related I may be a little uh ooh, moon beans sprinkles squirrels uh uh there's a song that I have been listening to. And, you know, Mary Mary, they may have their issues. But, you know, um, there's a song called Dirt mm. that I oh, never I really thought about. And we kind of still connecting it to what we've been talking about and support. And even in this, this doctoral process, I never really thought about needing the dirt to grow. Like, I never really thought about, like, thinking about all the adversity that you experience during a doctoral program, because, man, is it adversity. Yeah. But thinking about that you're still growing through it. And my hope is, is that we don't forget these lessons, that we don't forget what it's like, because there's going to be some more us's coming along. 
There's going to be some more us's who are going to come and who are going to need to hear that you're not alone in your process, that it's okay to feel that where you're feeling. It's okay to want to quit. You know, it's, it's okay, but I'm here, you know? So that's what I've been thinking about. And especially as it relates to this, this community that we've created and also the virtual community that we are creating. I think that is what I'm excited about. And, and really I want to give honor to the people who are listening because even if they haven't heard that they're great, even if they haven't heard that they're valid, that they are appreciated, let this be a space to where not only they're listening to us, but we can also tell them that they are appreciated through their work and the things that they do and their passions. Yeah, I echo that. I agree. I definitely agree. I echo that. I look forward to getting to know people. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. This is exciting for me. And also, I promise to not use this as a from not finishing my dissertation. No, we not. No. No, You better put it out there. (laughs) This will not be a distraction. (laughs) Nope. 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 But I'm you know, I'm just over overwhelmed, over um just joyed by the responses that we've had thus far when we um began to promote this podcast. Um and as in the promotion, this is not just for us, it's for every black woman um that listens, every black woman that's in higher education student affairs. And, you know, we talk about the excitement of the conversation and discussions and even the guest speakers that we have, because let's be honest. Some of our um, guest speakers, this may be their only platform. We yeah. don't know. And so yeah. um, I'm excited about uh, what this space will provide uh, for, for individuals, uh, especially our Black women, our Black sisters. So anything else before we close it on up? This is the first episode, y'all. Episode first. I know. The foundation. <laughs> I know they can't see me going episode one. Uno, uno. But yes, thank you for tuning in. Uh, This is Black Women Voices. Make sure you follow us on social media, um, Twitter at Black Women Voices and our Facebook page, Black Women Voices. Um, Kudos to all of my Black women that are in higher education student affairs doing your thing. If no one else tells you, know that I told you that I love you and I support you from a distance and in person whenever we shall meet. That's it, y'all. We love you. We appreciate you. You matter. Yes. You matter. You're tuned in to Black Women Voices, a podcast for Black women in higher education. New episode every first Friday. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Black Women Voices.